In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Um, just really a very short sermon, a few quick remarks, because um, we want to give uh, Wendell some time to make some farewell r- remarks. Um, as far as today's gospel reading goes, it, it really made me think about now that I'm, I'm preaching fairly regularly about going back home and what it would be like to preach for my home church. I was actually um, invited by my friend who's now the pastor of, of the church that I grew up in to possibly one day come and speak. And, um, and I just started thinking about all the stories that all of these people know about me there and uh, whether that would really work out. When I was in, in high school, um, it was this sort of tradition that with every senior class that we roll the teachers and administrators' yards. And um, it was usually a coordinated effort so that it happened unexpectedly in the middle of the night and all around the same time, you know, so that, that no one was the wiser. And this was, a, of course, the, in the days before iPhone and ring doorbell. So uh, your best defense as a teacher was to have an inside informant or a traitor. Um, who would alert you so that you could stay up late and, and watch for a bunch of rowdy seniors. Well, I, I was with a group of friends, and we decided to roll my biology teacher's yard. And it was the perfect yard. It was right across the street from my friend's house. It was chocked full of trees. It was perfect. But what we failed to consider, because we were 18, what we failed to consider is that my high school biology teacher was married to the district judge of Lee County. And... <laughs> further uh, boneheaded of us was that we were so proud of our rolling job that we um, thought that it was a good idea to pose for a picture in front of the house that we had just rolled. And so even in the days before social media, it was like viral. I mean, it was, everybody had it the next day at school. And so no, you know, no one came to put me in handcuffs, but he and his wife who go, went to my home church, they let me know that they knew, you know, and um, a lot of fun getting to see them in church every Sunday. So there's this, um, there's this practical element, right, of Jesus saying that a prophet isn't welcome in his own hometown. Um, that's true in that they, these are the people who know you, and, and at least they think that they know you. They've watched you grow up. They saw you do those boneheaded things, and Um, Some of them probably participated in disciplining you or correcting you. So, yes, it would be difficult for a child who was disciplined to return and bring a sort of prophetic discipline to the adults. But it's actually more than that. I actually think that Jesus, when he said that a prophet is not welcome in his own hometown, was, was thinking about something bigger. He was thinking, on one hand, about Jeremiah when he said that the prophet isn't welcome. Jeremiah faced this very thing in his own hometown of Anathoth. The people there actually tried to kill Jeremiah for the things that he said. But we know that the Lord, as we heard in the reading this morning, that the Lord commissioned Jeremiah to go and to, to speak these difficult things for the people to hear. He said that the Lord put out his hand and he touched his mouth. And he said, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So it is with Jesus, who is set over the nations and kingdoms, who speaks these difficult truths 
for these Jewish people, these people not just of his own hometown, but here's, here's where I think it is, of his own Jewish tradition. And many of them refuse to accept it. And they try to kill him for it. Now, to help you a little bit, you might read this gospel passage and wonder what was so bad about what Jesus said. Um, He goes back to the time of Elijah and Elisha, specifically during this three and a half year long famine. And he says that in all of Israel, of all those who were in dire need during that famine, Elijah, a prophet of the Most High God, was sent to help not a Jew, but a non-Jew, to a widow in the town of Zarephath. And, and then Jesus doesn't stop there. He says that with Elisha, the successor to Elijah, of all the lepers who existed in his time, he cleansed none of them, except for Naaman, the Syrian, a non-Jew. In other words, Jesus blows up this weak foundation that they had built their faith upon. A foundation of chosenness and of privilege and of authority or superiority. And he looks them squarely in their faces and suggests to them that God will do more for the Gentiles than for these closed up, closed minded, hard hearted Jews. And Luke says that when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down from the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. They wanted to kill Jesus because his teaching threatened their ethnic superiority. Now there's there's so much more to say here. And what I really just wanted to do was get you started on some later study. But I'll just make one point here and then, and then hand it over to Wendell. The gospel is for everyone. Thanks be to God, right? And it came to you and to me, and it's there for all people. The good news that God came to us in the person of Jesus and gathered and taught followers and died sacrificially for our sin and was physically raised to life and who is calling us to follow him in that same way of death to life. This good news is for everyone, everywhere, all of the time. And I think that we Christians would do well to check ourselves in the places and ways that we tend to hold back this good news to keep it for ourselves. And I won't parse out for you how I think that, that we do that or how I think we, like these Jews, would put constraints around the gospel as if we could tame or, do, or direct it, but we do. And I just encourage you to pray and consider with open hands and an open heart how you're doing that, how you may be doing that. And I would say that we would do well to consider that God may be speaking to us in unexpected ways through unexpected people. Because the gospel is for everyone, everywhere, all of the time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are gathering people from all over the earth to yourself. I pray that you would help us here by your spirit to be free of any constraints that would keep us from proclaiming this good news to others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Thanks, Gabe. We, um, Gabe and I had several conversations this week about how we were going to do this, and we never could figure it out. <laughs> it's like seamless handoff between message about racism and my farewell. There's not one <laughs> uh, that we could find. But, um, but Gabe, I, I love you, brother, and I love your preaching, and I love, I love the word you shared today. Thank you. Um, well, uh, I've got a few things I want to do. Um, I think the main thing I want to do is just share a little bit about how God has worked um, to testify to God's hand in my life, in the life of my family, um, in this, this season, in the eight years that we've been here. Um, and I also want to say thank you. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to try to work through that. I've got a few things I want to want to share and say. But um, when we uh, when we discerned the call to move here to Fairhope, we were surprised. Um, neither Hannah nor I had Fairhope on our list of places to move to. Um, we were in Washington, D.C., and we really thought that God was calling us there long term. We were in the housing market trying to find a, a home to buy. And um, in very surprising ways, within about a six-month period, we discerned a very clear call from God um, that, was, that was very clear in both of our hearts to come here. And a big part of that calling, a big part of why we came, um, was for me to lean into this calling to be an artist. This is something that I had kind of always had in my heart, but it had been bound up in a lot of fear, um, insecurity, self-doubt. Um, and... When God called us here, it was a very it was very clearly for me to step out of the um, those fears and anxieties and insecurities and step into this calling as an artist. My job title here is the longest one in, in church history, um, like worship arts director slash artist in residence. Um, and we really didn't quite know what that meant, you know, I and mean, we had conversations about it, but basically Robert um, and, the, and the team, uh, Mark's not here right now, but, but Robert and the team kind of discerned together um, that they wanted to support someone to um, lean into this creative vocation of creating music. Um, and I didn't quite know what that would look like, but when we got here... Uh, Within a few weeks, we sat down, Robert and I did, and um, Robert said, well, you can kind of do whatever you want, but I'd love for you to write a psalm that we can sing every Sunday. And for perfectionistic, you know, um, very like concerned with how I'm presented to the world person that I was, um, the idea of writing something new and getting up in front of a group of people and sharing it like hot off the press like every single week, like 
was stunningly scary. <laughs> Uh, but I knew in my heart that was exactly what, what I was called to do. And um, so I said yes. And for the next three years, um, I entered what I would, I would call um, songwriting and spiritual boot camp with the Psalms. And you guys know we follow the lectionary, so there's a psalm scheduled for each week of the, of the year, and it follows a three-year cycle. So in the course of three years, you kind of get through most of the psalms in, in the Old Testament. And um, each week, I had a piece of ancient Hebrew poetry that was um, more emotionally honest than I was comfortable being and uh, often about things that I thought were awkward or didn't really fit in a church service and felt very uncomfortable to me and God was like yep this is what I want you to sing about and the incredible gift of that um, is going to be hard for me to even explain to you guys, but I think you've experienced some of it with me, so you'll understand. Um, God wants me to learn and has been teaching me that all of who I am belongs in relationship with Him. My angry, scared, um, my mean, my sad, um, all the parts of who I am that in large part I've spent a lot of my life trying to exile, right, <laughs> and just keep away. Kind of like the Jews and the Gentiles, you know. <laughs> you don't belong, right? Um, that uh, God says to all of those parts of me and to you, come be known. Come be loved. Come be seen. Stop hiding. And it's such a gift to me to have my kind of fledgling artistry and my learning to songwrite get married to these texts that called me to um, come to church with my whole self. And the vulnerability of getting up and sharing a, a, new, a new piece of music, whatever it was, that was going to be vulnerable and kind of scary for me. But, but to have that married to these texts that invite this incredibly honest and intimate relationship with God that I was actually kind of freaked out by. <laughs> um, so I would say, Robert, thank you um, for giving me an assignment. I really say thank you, God, and thank you, Robert, for giving me the assignment that God had for me um, to enter into these psalms and to learn to be a vulnerable, real songwriter and human um, here in the context of this community. And I'm so grateful. Um. While I'm on Robert, I also just want to say, Robert, how much it's meant to me the, the times that you have quoted 
my songs or, you know, when you get up to preach, like just called everyone's attention back to one of the lines that we sang from something I wrote. That's really meant a lot. Thank you. Um, a big part of this was learning to lament. Um, in my kind of just spiritual life before here, um, I didn't really do lament. I didn't. I didn't come to church and and um, talk about what was uh, wrong. Now I believed in confessing sin. Right? We're all. We all know that. Like the gospel, confess your sin and be forgiven. Right? But lament is often more about bad things have been done to you, right? It's not about you confessing your sin primarily. It's about the brokenness of the world and the, um, and the brokenness that you experience that often you have zero control over. And it's about just coming to be honest with God about how it hurts and how it, how it feels. And um, I remember the first Sunday that I had a very explicit psalm of lament to share with you guys and I think because it was just so um, unusual, I mean, uh, unprecedented for me to get up and lead a congregation through lament, um, I was really genuinely concerned that many of you would just get up and leave. <laughs> it seems sounded kind of crazy to me now, uh, but but I just thought, man, people don't want to like Debbie Downer, you know, like people, you know, want to be lifted up at church and. Um, and I, I was afraid that, that you guys would really not respond to that. And um, man, I just remember the number of people who came up after church and just said, thank you, I needed that. That was exactly what I needed to do today was I needed to lament. I needed to be honest about the hurt in my life or in my family. And... That's kind of another thank you that I want to say to, to you guys. Um, you taking the time to, even if it's just a nod or an eye contact or one sentence, for you to, to share with me when something that I wrote um, touched you, impacted you, helped you communicate with God, um, it was an enormous gift to me. Just think about that insecure young songwriter artist trying to figure out how to use his voice and to, to hear um, my congregation say, yes, Wendell, God is working through the music you're writing um, was an enormous gift. Thank you. Thank you for your vulnerability in that. It so happened uh, in God's goodness that at the same time I was getting pulled into writing the Psalms every week, um, God invited me to these weekend retreats called Men's Coaching Weekends. And a lot of you have heard me talk about this. It's been a couple years since I have. And many of you come and, and, and join me in this these journeys. Um, but... Um, at, at the men's coaching weekends, I would say I kind of found my heart. Um, God invited me to start really just the practice of telling my story. And for those of you who have done anything like this, you know you don't really know your story 
until you start trying to tell it. And you very quickly usually realize that you don't know it at all. So you go, you become more confused at first. <laughs> and then, but as you continue in a safe space to, to practice telling your story, um, it, suddenly, it slowly starts to become clear. And you start to know who you, who you really are, how you're broken, how you've been wounded, what your gifts are, who God's calling you to be. And um, I would say God gave me back my heart through that, through that ministry. And the, and the way that, that he married that with this process of writing through the Psalms um, was... I, I, one couldn't have happened without the other. I was, I was having these experiences learning who I was and, and, and having my heart kind of broken open. And then looking at the scriptures and seeing in these 3,000-year-old Hebrew poems, literally my story just written right there. I mean, it's like, wow, God is real. <laughs> you know, just, a, just so powerful to, to have that experience. Um, it's been a very fruitful eight years. And I know just on behalf of my family, I want to say thank you. We've, we have grown. We have seen God work. We have moved through several chapters. Um, and you guys have cared for us well. We especially want to say thanks to those of you who helped put our house back together. Um, when we had some uh, we had some water damage, and for those of you who brought meals when our girls were born, um, thank you, worship team members and sound team members, for serving with me, for um, encouraging me in the new songs that I was constantly throwing at you guys. Um, I'm deeply grateful. We're um, we're going to Dallas with a lot of mixed feelings. We again are surprised, much like when we moved here. Um, it was kind of a surprise that God really felt like parted the parted the clouds and made it very clear in my heart and in Anna's that this was this was our next chapter. Um, we leave with some sadness. We are sad to leave this community, um, but we also leave with with a ton of gratitude and a ton of hope. We've seen God work here, and we are very curious to see how God will work in the next chapter. Let me say two two more quick things that are a little more logistical. Um, a lot of you guys know I've recorded music over the time that I've been here. Some of you don't know that, and that's why I wanted to share it. I've got a stack of CDs back there, and I'd love for you all to take them. They're not, I'm not looking for your money. Um, I have plenty of them. You buy them in sets of 1,000, and I bought a bunch right before the pandemic, and I'm not touring anymore. So um, i got plenty of CDs. You're not going to rob, rob the Kimberly family's wealth. Um, <laughs> If you'd like a CD or two, um, there are CDs of the psalms that we sing here, and I'd love for you to take them home with you. Um, and then the second thing is just a way to keep in touch. Um, I've had a lot of people ask about it. How do we kind of stay in touch and follow what you're doing with your music? And this, again, I'm not, I'm not 
promise I'm not seeking your 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 money, but um, I I started about a year ago a thing called Patreon, and Patreon comes from the word patron, and it's basically a subscription platform. Um, and for the last year, I've been recording and releasing a new song every month um, to subscribers on this platform. And it's like it's five dollars a month. And I'm going to keep doing that over the next several years. Um, so if you want to keep in touch with what I'm doing with my music, that's one of the best ways to do it. There are other ways, um, but that's one of the best ways to do it. So to find that, you would just Google Wendell Kimbrew Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I love you guys. Thank you for loving us. guys can be seated. All right, so I'm going to try and pray for Wendell. And uh, Dan, if you'll go ahead and come on up here and be ready to lead us. We'll go from uh, this prayer time straight to the prayers of the people. I just want to remind you, please um, stay after church and join us for a reception on the, on the pavilion for Wendell and Hannah and these two girls. They came here as just a married couple, and now look what God has done with them, okay? Um, we did pray for him at the um, 8 o'clock service, and he didn't share some of the things that um, he asked for us to pray, and I'm just going to pray for them. And probably number one on, I know, in Wendell's heart, and probably Hannah's as well, is for friendships. Um, you know, one of the things that we were uh, talking about a couple of weeks ago in another Bible study was when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and such grief, one of the things was probably losing his friends. Lots more, but um, and they've made some friends. And I pray for great friendships for them, and especially for uh, for Isa. And Ruth said, he's going to miss Hannah and Wendell, but she's really going to miss Isa um, and Gwen and um, you know, probably next time we see her, she's going to uh, be a lot bigger. Um, they got a school, and we pray for just safe places for this family to grow, and um, and yes, a lots of other things. So, let's if you'll just reach out your hand um, for prayer, and um, probably not going to pray everything that needs to be prayed, but the Lord will do all the things He needs to do. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads, Lord God. We are uh, so grateful. Um, for the time that we've had as a community uh, with Wendell and Hannah and these, and these two precious um, children of theirs. And Lord, we also have learned um, how to be more honest, uh, um, to lament as well as to celebrate. And I pray that that gift would uh, go to Dallas, Lord, and that you would transform that community as you have transformed us. I pray for safety in their travel. I pray for all the details that are required in, in a move. Um, I pray, Lord, for the great joy in this uh, new season of their life. And, 
Uh, I pray for a worship team that supports uh, Wendell. And I pray for um, Hannah's vocation as well, that this would be a, a season where she could continue to explore what God is uh, doing in her and as far as vocation goes. And I pray for these two children. And I know that they will uh, miss their grandparents as well. And uh, there's just so much here, Lord. So we commit them to your care. And we know, Lord, as the scripture says, that, that you are doing greater things than we could ever ask or imagine. So strengthen them, Lord. Um, send them on the way um, in great uh, provision for their life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, buddy.